Welcome to Boston's Best, a podcast where you go behind the scenes with financial planner Mark Condon as he asks industry-leading experts in and around Boston to talk about their businesses. Mark will find out what sets these companies apart from their competition and how they have risen above the inevitable challenges they have faced along the way to their ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Mark Condon. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to episode 88 of Boston's Best, brought to you by Condon Productions. The goal of this podcast is to highlight businesses in and around Boston. My guest on today's podcast is Melissa McRae. Melissa is the owner of Two Webster, a home and decorated accessories shop. The company was founded five years ago and has a brick and mortar location down the Cape in Osterville, Mass. They also do pop-ups throughout the year, mostly in Wellesley, and have accessories all over the world available to you on their website at twowebster.com. Melissa tells us that her and her friend Kiki met when their kids were five years old. Melissa being a small business owner and Kiki being an interior designer, instantly had a connection and a mutual love of unique accessories. Their products are not mass produced and are very individualistic. They ship from all over the country in many parts of the world to find the coolest products. In this episode, Melissa shares with us the early challenges she faced as a new business owner, like boxing things up at home and creating a Shopify website overnight. But then people kept buying their products online and showing up to the store. And Melissa knew that she was onto something pretty special. And be sure to listen to the end. As Melissa shares the advice she gives someone looking to start their own business, what she would tell her 18-year-old self and how she defines success in any given year. And so with that introduction, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Boston's Best. Good morning. This week, we have Melissa McRae. Melissa is the owner of Two Webster. How are you doing, Melissa? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm excellent. Thanks for coming on Boston's Best. I always love getting an introduction from a previous guest on the podcast to have another business owner on there. So excited to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be on your show. Um, my first podcast, so full disclosure. <laughs> well, I'll take it easy on you. Talking, not video, so it's all good. We're, we're <laughs> really um, um, but I'm with you. I always look to, I love the networking part of some of what I do and finding different businesses or different projects through other people yeah. and small businesses is always kind of exciting. And yeah. And fun. We're sort of all in it together, I think. I totally agree. That's why I started the podcast. I think everybody's in it together. I, I've truly enjoyed it and I've met so many people. It's been it's been a lot of fun to, to be a part of. So before we get into to Webster, give us a little background on yourself. Are you from around here originally? Where do you, you know, where are you from now? Sure, sure. sure. So I can give you the well, I don't know. I'll try not to give you the super long version, but um <laughs> maybe highlight the pertinent parts. So I did actually grow up in the Boston area. I grew up in the town of Wayland, which is where yeah. I happen to also live now. I went to college at the University of Vermont and then returned to Boston in the early 90s, where I worked in finance for seven or eight years, focusing mostly on marketing and client relations. And so doing sort of that softer stuff, not the hardcore finance number crunching stuff. Yeah. But it was it was a great experience and I had fun. And after having my first child, I just started doing some freelance work for the company I was working for and delving into some other marketing type projects. Um, and then after having two kids, I took a hiatus from, from things. And then I actually was just thinking about this earlier today, exactly what the year was. I think it was 2010. And I and a pal from college launched a t-shirt company. We were living in Sudbury. Um, and both had always wanted to create a brand and sort of has nothing to do with two Webster, except for the fact that it's my entrepreneurial, I think sort of like drive and mindset. And 
it was super fun. We trademarked a whole bunch of area codes, like 617 and 212, and put them on t-shirts and bags. No way. And yeah, we got super lucky and had some crazy press, which shot us sort of out of our yeah. comfort zone that we, our company was new. We barely had inventory. We had to build a Shopify website overnight because someone was wearing our shirt on national television. <laughs> um, <and> so, <laughs> yep. Got to get that. Side we up. were <laughs> truly one of, and Shopify was new. We were early adapters to that. We were early adapters to using the square checkout system at trunk shows. We were suddenly had to look into producing overseas. We were producing everything locally. So it was sort of this whole mishmash of skills that neither of us innately had to tap into. We had to figure them out. And so that was a crazy, crazy, crazy experience. It was like a big ride up and then it sort of was here. And then we both had stuff with life that got in the way. My mom got really sick. I lost my mom. My friend went through a terrible divorce. And so we just put it on hiatus and haven't returned to it since. So we still have a whole bunch of trademarks. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, I didn't even know you could trademark an area code. You can trademark it as a logo. So interesting. Yeah. And the premise behind the area codes was that it was a, a tool for conversation. It was a conversation yeah. starter. So you'd see someone wearing a 617 t-shirt and you'd say, are you from Boston? Or, you know, what's your connection? And, and it would get the conversation sparking. And so we were able to create this whole sort of social media community as things on the social media realm were taking off. And it was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, but we were literally two moms working out of her basement because she had a better setup with our kids running around upstairs. They were in preschool, five kids in preschool, running around upstairs. God knows what was going on. <laughs> and we were sitting there trying to ship out shirts and build a website and, and do the whole thing. So that definitely sort of planted the seed that I didn't want to return to working in a big yeah. company. Um, and I wanted to do my own thing. So I don't know. My During that time, I met my friend Kiki, who I started to Webster with, we met when our kids were in kindergarten, which is now 12, 13, 14 years ago. And we always talked about selling at some point in our lives, like our favorite things and curating this collection of beautiful items for the home or personal accessories that we would hold an event for a couple times a year in one of our homes or we'd have like she had a barn, we'd use her barn. And so finally, when our kids are in eighth grade, we are seventh or eighth grade, we did it and we started and it was a small collection. We did it for three or four days at a time, three times a year. And it was, we called it curated because we couldn't think of a better name. And we did it that way. So we sort of, it was like, rather than sort of going straight out and trying to get press, we were like, okay, we're going to build, we're going to see what this is, see if it has legs and then build the, build it from there. So we started with that in the barns and doing these pop-up trunk shows and we started to build traction and it was exciting. So then we took that and got a commercial space for a week. And then we joined forces with a couple other small businesses and shared a commercial space for a month and then for two months. And so slowly we started just adding time to the sales, so to speak. And at the same time, built out our website. So, you know, we realized like we learned that we had something that people liked and we could make, we thought we could really give it a go. So 
as we started to be more and more in the stores and having more success with that and less, not less success online, but just, it was, you know, we, our, our merchandise has a story at most of it and it's, you know, made by people and we want people to enjoy it. And we want to share the, share the history of the artists who might have made the piece or the, the type of weave within a basket or whatever it is we wanted to be able to, we, we were doing better face-to-face and Kiki decided that she just didn't have the capacity to be in the store. So she's in that same timeframe, we renamed the company to Webster from curated and sort of going a little bit all over the place, but we renamed the company to two Webster and said, we're going to focus solely online. We're going to take a break from the stores. Let's see how we can do with the website. I live on a street named Webster. There were two of us. That's how we got the name. That was my next question. Okay. Not super like clever and creative, but it's, <laughs> we felt like it had a ring. We would start with a little bit of blogging and we thought, you know, maybe people will say, oh, did you read that on two Webster? Did you get it on two Webster? You liked the ring of it. It's pretty simple. That's where the name came from. But so then anyway, during the pandemic, she took a real backseat and she does some product design for me and definitely helps me troubleshoot stuff, but she's no longer otherwise sort of, you know, an owner of the business and, yeah. and participating in the day-to-day operation. So that's sort of the background. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to have, yeah, I can babble on forever. So. No, no, it's great. Uh, it, makes my, it makes my job a lot easier. First question I was going to ask is how did you come up with the name two Webster? I didn't know what the meaning was behind it. And, and what, when did you first, when did two Webster become born? I guess what year? It was like December 20, I mean, 2016, 2017, you know, sort of that end of year, beginning of the next year. Our first sale was March of 2017, but we started really working on it, you know, several months before that. Yeah. So. Okay. So you got, you're, you're five years in essentially now. Yeah. Five yeah. years in having a great time. Yeah. It's, it's really, I love it. It's fun to actually like your job. I didn't for so many years. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I mean. <laughs> If you if you love what you're doing, it's not work. So if you hated your job, then, yeah. you know you gotta yeah. you gotta get out and find something else. So yeah. w- when you started to Webster, you know, curated now to Webster, what yeah. what are some of the early challenges that you face starting your own brand new company? Um, I think one of the biggest challenges, and this is something that a lot of companies face, right, is building the brand and building the you know getting the word out there. Right, this was like poof out of thin air. Yeah. We just we didn't tell any of our friends about it. We didn't. We just sort of did it quietly on our together, and then had this event to, to launch it. And people didn't know what they were coming for. They were <laughs> sort of like, you know, what are you selling? What do you have? What is the, you know? We had no social media presence. Like so, that yeah. was definitely a challenge. To sort of figure out how to articulate it and spread the word, which worked. You know, whatever it got it got out there. And then yeah. the second part that I think was a challenge and always is a challenge is the inventory. Just you know, we. I like to work with real true artisans and sort of best in class mm-hmm. for a lot of these things that we sell. A lot of stuff is custom made. You run into okay. quantity limit, you know, minimums and color combination, you know, there's just some of that stuff. And so it's just a little bit, it was definitely hard to know like what was going to stick, what people were going to gravitate to and how much yeah. to have. There's still some things from the first sale that I have and sitting in a box in the basement. And, you know, I mean, even maybe free people would take them and they're nothing bad. It was just that we had a lot. Yeah. And, you know, they yeah. start to look old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I can get that inventory. I, I feel with somebody who sells products, inventory always seems to be a common issue. Would you, do you get them overseas? Some stuff overseas, some stuff domestic. How is that affecting you? Overseas, 
We've been fine because we work with such, I work with such small producers that, you know, unless someone has a shortage with their clay, if that was coming from somewhere where they had supply chain issues or their, or their, you know, the natural fibers are never a problem because they're grown right where they're woven, you know, or there was a problem with like paint dye for something. But other than those very specific little parts of the process, there haven't, I haven't yet had issues because I ship small volume, it's DHL, it's air, it's not on these big cargo ships. Got it. So, okay. um, I mean, I, you know, there are a couple of companies who I work with that are bigger producers and they have had, they have had slowdowns and, but it hasn't. So then I wait for, you know, or I don't get it. It's not like, it's not really hurting me. I've been lucky. It's not really hurting me. Okay. Well, that's good. So we talked about the challenges. What were some of the early successes that you had starting your own company where you said, Hey, like I'm onto something. Here we are five years later and still going strong. The people were coming back for more. Yeah. So I think when you, for me, repeat customers are an indicator to me that I'm doing something right because they yeah. like what I have, right? Um, yeah. And when they help to spread the word and bring their friends in, that to me is the ultimate compliment. It, you know, they like what they see, they want to own it, they want to share it. And so I think that's such a, for me, that's a big target of success. And I think the other successes were just, having fun yeah. was, you know, is a success and enjoying what you do. For sure. I think, you know, and, and I'm, you know, I am fortunate that my children aren't little anymore. I have the time, I have the resources to be able to launch a company out of thin air and, you know, take the time to sort of watch it and see if it works. Yeah. Sounds like so it's been five years. Yeah. 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 I know. And it's still going strong. I just signed up for another, you know, I'm, I have one year left on my lease in Osterville and I have another signed another three-year lease. So or not one year, I have whatever, six months less than left another three years starting in the fall. So that's um, working. Yeah, Yeah, clearly. So outside of like, you had mentioned going, you know, doing three or four day events a few times a year, how else have you been marketing yourself? Is it mainly social media or? Mainly social media. And I will say that that's where I really feel my age. That. I should have talked about that as a challenge because that is something that I truly struggle with. I mean, I can post and post all day long and find pretty pictures to repost and take pretty pictures, but getting engagement and building that audience, turning the social media into online dollar spends for me, has been really difficult. I can get people in the door somehow through social media, but I, I, I struggle with converting it to online sales. I think it's just, you keep sticking with it. You know, I wasn't, an early adapter to Instagram with this business. We're only five, you know, the people who did it 10 years ago, they are, they have huge amounts of followers and yeah. huge influence. I don't, I'm trying. It's not know. easy. I, I don't, you know, there's algorithms, yeah. there's ways to do it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't know too much about that as well. I, I mean, I have someone who does help me a little bit, but I don't have the budget for a big marketing agency yeah. to, you know, really blow it out. Like it's, you know, I'm, I'm a one man show. Yeah. With a little right. help here and there from people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it. It's it's difficult. Um, and I'm you know, I'm gonna be 50. Like I rely on my children to help me with this stuff. Like it's sad. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> wrong with that. They know a lot of this stuff, probably, you know. But they're boys, they're not interested in doing it for home accessories. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. So actually that leads me to my next question because we haven't gotten into it yet. Like, what are the full suite of products and type of you know products that you do sell at two Webster? Okay. So it is, you know, 90% home accessories, a few personal, quote unquote, personal accessories, like some tote bags and toiletry bags and, you know, some soaps and things like that. But for the most part, it's um, home accessories everywhere. Dishware to serving pieces, to basketry, to use around your home, to store stuff, to candles, 
towel, like cool looking towels, blankets, pillows, yep. things that I always think of it as things to um, make your house a home. Yep. And, and my goal is to sell things that you are not going to see at other boutiques, let alone bigger stores. Like yep. I, if someone I know starts to carry something that I have, I'm not interested anymore. Wow. I'm on, not, not interested anymore, but it's like, okay, well, what else, what else is out right. there? Yeah. So all um, your stuff is pretty unique. You say. That's the goal. Yeah. yeah. How do you even come up with the ideas of what it is to make and the designs of it? Like, do you, is it all I you? So I will say I do rely on Kiki for a lot of product innovation. She was a decorator before, so she mm-hmm. definitely has a good eye for yeah. some of those decor pieces and she is creative. So she can, she can really, you know, she can draw something and we can find somebody to make it. So she is very helpful in that product development creativity piece, but she doesn't do all of it. I mean, I do plenty of it too. And it's a lot of, it's just a lot of searching, a lot of you know looking online and researching, finding something you like and figuring out who makes it, yeah. how it's made. And, you know, and it's a design that you might see. It's, I don't know, it's this organic process and it's really hard for me to articulate. Yeah, and I no, just that's fair. That's there fair. and like go down these rabbit holes between, you know, Instagram and Etsy and Pinterest and emails and, you know, other sort of trade platforms and, and just finding, I mean, I've been searching for instance, for went to Columbia five or six years ago and I bought this basket, giant basket, like massive. And I have been trying to have them made. I reached out to the art gallery where I bought it. I was working with somebody else from Columbia who made something different than that, trying to get her to help me figure out who I contacted and somehow finally three weeks ago, I found the weavers. So it's just a matter of like sort of digging and like I retreat and then I get rejuvenated. And so it's, I don't know. <laughs> somehow <laughs> that happens. <laughs> That's fair. So I wish I could say that I use my hands to, you know, make stuff, but I don't, not yeah. at all. Yeah. So where, where do they get made? Like, are they all made in? Very little is made in China. Yeah. Um, because very little is mass produced. The things are made in South America, things are made in Europe, random. Like I have some pottery from a UNESCO site in Romania that's I saw online that I thought was really beautiful. And I was able to like find a way through someone in Germany who was Romanian to get me to the people. Like wow. Anyway, yeah, I have like some stuff made in Italy. I have a lot of table linens from India, and I work with the guy who works with the people who do stamp, you know, hand stamp the fabrics bone inlay products from India and you know, I have some candles that are made in Newton. Okay. Um, so how do so you like, island, like, I don't know, like just sort of, they're sort of all over, but you know, I, I thought that having things made in China is bad, but it's, I just think sometimes that's like this mass produced stigma and yeah. that's not. Yeah, no, it's fair. Cause I'm, like I've always wanted to come up with an idea and sell the product and all that, you know, I haven't done it, but it's like, I don't even know where to begin to find who could make these like things for me. And I'm just, I'm just thinking maybe like one item, like right. you have so many items and how do you find like all these different people to make these products? For? Well, so many of them are specific to their region. So that's okay. how you find, you know, like, so a bone, take a bone box, for instance, yep. those are typically made in India. Okay. And so it's just finding the people within India who do a really good job. And that part's hard. You can have a sample scent and it can be totally broken or, you yep. know, a, you know, a pallet. So it's finding the people I've had that happen where the stuff just comes and it's not the quality that you thought it was going to be. So it's a little bit of trial and error. And, you know, there's a certain style of weaving in Europe and a certain style of basketry in South America. And there's different things they make in Mexico. So it's just about finding finding a product that I like, figuring out the region where it's made, yeah. then digging yeah. to find okay. the people who 
that's fair. So I don't know. It's a, yeah. <laughs> it's working. Yeah, I mean, but it takes a lot of time, especially running your own business. Like, how do you manage your calendar? You know, you said you got a couple of kids. Like, how do you manage your calendar from day to day? Do you like you like type A and said I'm doing this, this, and this, or is it just fly by the seat of your pants and get everything done? I'm pretty organized, but I I feel like I wake up in the morning and that's when I do sort of the computer work. So whether that's communicating with people or looking for ideas or working on placing orders and, you know, that's sort of when I do that early in the morning. And then just sort of throughout the, and if I'm in the store, then I'm in the store all day. And then I'll go home and sort of poke around on the computer and look for things. I mean, there are things that I'm good at doing and things that I avoid doing like QuickBooks, right? Like I'll avoid that all day long. I don't want to do that <laughs> yeah. part of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes doing it, especially this time. Commenting on Instagram posts. I don't want to do that. I know yeah. I need to do it. Yep. <laughs> I'm with you. But I'm happy to like dig and dig and look for pretty things to have made. It's just a matter of, so I'm not super type A, I'm organized, but I don't know. I sort of have times of the day when I find myself more productive. I've learned that. And that's when I try to sit and do some of that more tedious work. And yeah, then- I'm, the, I'm the same way. I'm, I'm very, I'm very type A. My wife will tell you that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a morning person. So like mm-hmm. I'll get up, I'll work out and, you know, send my daughter to daycare. When I come home, uh, like I'm in finance, right? So I usually try to do like any case prep or like email catch up admin type of stuff in the mornings. That's when I'm going to be most productive on that stuff. And then I'd rather have the fun client facing interactions in the afternoon or maybe a podcast episode in the afternoon. Yeah. Like we're on right now, just because I'm just, I'm not going to want to dig through 27 emails that came in overnight at two o'clock in the afternoon. If I've been up for 10 hours, like it's just, it's not Mm going to be fun. Like I'd rather get, you know, get going early with no distractions and then have the, like the fun part of the day, I guess you can say. Yeah. Like yeah. in the afternoon. So. Yeah. Which is like, it's similar to me. Yeah. So I'm always curious how people manage their calendars. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, I could work all day, every day, but you know, I do have two kids. They're, they're both away from home, which makes it a little bit easier for me, but um, I've one in college and one who goes to a boarding school in Connecticut. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I try to get to a game every week. I tried to, yep. you know, there's, there's things I still want to, you know, they're, my family's still my first priority. And so, sort of the beauty of working for yourself is if it doesn't get done today, it can just get done tomorrow. No one's yelling at me. I'm the one who's going to be right. hurting. If yeah, exactly. And I wrestle with that sometimes too, because yeah. like sometimes it's so easy to be like, ah, oh, I'll just do this, this tomorrow. But you've said that for like nine days in a row. And now you have all yeah. these other things that have exactly. built up exactly. and you're just like killing yourself on a weekend. Exactly. I exactly. Like I try to take a lot of my own photography and I'll do that at certain times of the day when the light is good. So it's, yeah, yeah. sometimes that can be like tricky for me because that's not at within my home, that's not my best time of day when yeah. the light is good. And so, you know, I want to get up and get it set and it's dark and it's not, you know, it's whatever. So, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So you mentioned earlier that it didn't seem like COVID impacted you. Did it in general or just not too much with the shipping piece? Not too much with the shipping piece. I mean, it definitely, it impacted everybody, but yeah. obviously, I mean, it, you know, immediately impacted me in that everything was shut down and I had a pop-up scheduled to open in Wellesley in the okay. spring of 2020. Right. So that, you know, that got shut down. So that definitely was an effect. And I had ordered everything in the winter to be here and made and and stuff like that. And so, but, you know, right then and there, I had excess inventory, but I was lucky in that I was able to get a space in Austerville. So I spent the summers on the Cape and I was able to take that same inventory and sell it that summer on Cape Cod. Okay. So I didn't sit on it for too long, which okay, was great. Otherwise I would have sat on it until hopefully Christmas when hopefully I would have been able to have another pop-up in Mosley and, yeah. and go from there. So 
I feel like that was really, and I was lucky that I ordered inventory when I did because it was able to be sent before other countries were shutting down. Oh, so, okay, yeah. Yeah. So like I had a big shipment that came from Morocco. It was in transit. It arrived in March in particular. It was two pallets that showed up at the house, which of course my family was like, oh my God, I really did all this. But I was able to stash it in the basement and then bring it out for the summer. So it, like, yeah. it was some of that stuff that was fortuitous because if I had been trying to order for a pop-up in the summer, I don't think I would have gotten any inventory. Yeah, probably not. So that piece was really lucky. And I also think, I mean, again, really lucky people were nesting, right? And they wanted to spruce up their homes. That Very true. So people have been buying things for their houses. Yep. So that's been really lucky too. You know, it wasn't like, you know, clothing for women to wear to work, right? Where they weren't going into the office. Suddenly they wanted, you know, something cool on top and sweatpants on the bottom. And it was a little bit of the right place at the right time. Yeah, for sure. From that perspective. Yeah. Like it's interesting. Yeah. Some pros, some cons, obviously to your business. It's interesting, you know, how it impacted different industries, like Mm -hmm. restaurants, breweries feel horrible for them, you know? And then I, it's funny. I had uh, somebody on here. uh, He's runs Boston veterinary clinic. And he's like, Mm -hmm. everyone was adopting pets. He's yeah. like, I have never been so busy. And it's just, it's interesting to see the different impact it had on people. I another friend of mine, uh, she was on here. She's an interior designer. And she's yeah. like, you know, at first I couldn't go to people's homes, but then once we could, she's like, everybody's been sitting in their homes for so long that they, yeah. they want to spruce it up. And she, you know, yeah. she benefited. Yeah. Super, super interesting to see how it impacts, you know, everybody, you know? Um, yeah, no, it's been interesting. And I will say, so one part of my business that I didn't really segue into when I was sort of running through it all is that because we were taking these temporary retail spaces, I started to manage these pop-ups. So I would, we were joining, I was, I get other small businesses to join me and we share the rent on a space and typically in Wellesley. Okay. So we did a pop-up in November for the month of November and December of 2020. And every single day that we were able to open the doors, we thought we were so lucky, right? We were, we kept thinking everything was going to shut down. You know, you would, it was was a crazy time. That was definitely that took a toll because here we were, you know, like my name is on the lease. I'm yeah. the one at at risk for everything. Yeah. And I mean, we're all at risk because we all had inventory and we all have businesses, but I was taking a bigger, I have a bigger risk pro- profile because of that. Of and um, every day we were like thanking our lucky stars that we made it through another day and people yeah. actually walked through the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yep. So that was definitely a big COVID challenge to figure out you know, we're, how do you make it a safe environment? How do you yeah. let people know it's a safe environment right. and truly keep everybody safe? Yep. So that was a little bit tricky. Yeah, I but, can imagine, but hopefully we're getting through it and hopefully this year will be a lot better. Warmer months are obviously yeah. going to so be I think we're in a good place, beneficial. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. That's great. So Melissa, what do you see for the future of two Webster? You know, you're five years in, what do you see for the future, you know, the next year, the next five years and, and beyond? So I definitely see Continuing to, so I have my shop on the Cape, which is part of a permanent collaborative. And that is, you know, going to go strong for the next several years and hopefully longer than that. So I see that as certainly, you know, some, something that I am focused on and want to continue to grow. I certainly really, truly, I put a lot of time and effort and resources into my website and I want that to take off. And so that is going to be a big focus for me in terms of just 
leveraging the website, leveraging yeah. opportunities to try and spread the word, do a better job of email marketing. Or I don't, I do, I think I have a pretty successful email marketing campaigns. It's just getting more of them out frequently. Like it's just everything yeah. sort of just adds and adds. And so I guess my hope is that the retail space, you know, as there's people to help me there, right? I can hire someone to help me at the store. I can focus on some of these other pieces to help build that side of the business. So it becomes more of a 12 month business and not just a you know yeah. seasonal thing. But I also like to be customer facing. And so at the same time, you know, the store at the Cape, I will continue to manage or run these pop-ups in Wellesley as long as I can keep finding spaces in the spring yeah. and for the holiday season. I don't see any reason to stop doing that. They've been super successful. It's great for it's just it's great for the town, I think too. Cool. Um, I find that people look forward to it and come year after year. And so I think it's a lot of just doing what I'm doing more of what I'm doing. Maybe open a second location of a brick and mortar store. I mean, it sounds so crazy to say that when so many of those are going away, but I think for my stuff in particular, it just, I don't know. I think it's better to touch and feel it and see it. Yeah. Um, So I don't know. It's a risky thing if I do it, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Well, TBD on that. That'd be cool if you did. Yeah, TBD. We'll say maybe I'll open my second location down here in South Carolina. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I I'm jealous of you being down there right now. It's it's like 30 degrees. Quite nice. Today yeah. is a 10. It's a 10 of 10. I'm so happy I stayed a couple extra days so I can have it. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. I always ask, I ask like you know what do you see for the future because especially with entrepreneurs I'm always curious. Do you ever picture yourself 100% retiring or do you think you always have your hand in this business or another business or? I don't know. I didn't do well as a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Like there were a few years I didn't really work, but I found myself volunteering a lot and keeping yeah. busy. I'm not someone who likes to go to lunch every day. And yeah. that, that, that gets expensive too. Burgers are like 15 Expensive bucks. and it just, it's, I don't know. I, my, most of my good friends work or keep busy with volunteer commitments and board yeah. work and stuff like that. So I don't know that I'll ever truly retire. I think I'll always do something, but I don't know if it will be, I hope it'll be retail oriented, but who knows, maybe it'll be more board work or trying to find other ways to volunteer my time or some other new concept that I haven't come up with yet. Um, Maybe if I figure out how to get social media working for the 50 somethings, I'll start teaching (laughs) teaching it in ways that old people like us can understand. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, what's in a logarithm? I mean, I really, like, I, I kind of know what it is, but not really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a generational thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely a generational thing. So out, outside of work, because like you work a ton, obviously, but outside of work, what are some of the hobbies that you enjoy doing when, you know, when you get time away? I love to travel, which has been sort of put on hold, yeah. but I'm, you know, traveling again. And um, I'm a big skier. Okay. So I grew up skiing and ski racing and my children ski raced forever. And we skied every weekend as a family from the, from when I was, I mean, truly like from when I was little, still doing it most every weekend. So that's something I love to do mostly because it's a way to spend time with friends and family while doing something. Yeah. Right. Not just sitting around having a meal We're we're doing something and we're active and it feels good, but that's, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know other than I like to cook. Well, I used to like to cook. I haven't got sick of cooking, but I do like to cook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy cooking myself. Which- yeah. And I do a fair amount of it. And, you know, I like to leave through and find new recipes. And- yeah. So in regard to traveling, what have, uh, what are some of the top places you've been to, or maybe the top place you've been to? 
Oh, internationally God. or nationally? Well, I love Italy. Yeah, I've never been. I love Europe. And it's pretty great. You should go. <laughs> I'm going back in May. Generally, I really like Europe. I love New Zealand and Australia. I'd like to go back. My, yeah. I have family over there. So it would be oh, nice, nice to do that trip again. Yeah. Yeah. South America was pretty cool. Machu Picchu was a pretty fun adventure. Oh, yeah? That. Yeah. I haven't done cool. I haven't done too much international travel. It's the one thing that I just, I haven't done. It kills me. And now we have a four-month-old daughter. So like international travel is not happening I mean, for at least another. I know it's hard. We you know we. My husband and I went to a wedding of a pal of his in um, England when our oldest was six months old, and we brought him. And so, okay, I just have like taken this mindset of like, it's okay. It might be a different kind of travel, but yeah. it's fun to travel with the kids. And so, yeah. whenever we go away without them, I sort of feel a little bit guilty. And so we've 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 taken them on international trips that you okay. know challenging, but certainly when they're in the bucket. It's so easy. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so go, go away. Yeah. I mean, summer. we're, so we're going, like, we're going to Marco Island, Florida in August. It's, you know, nice. it's, it's, you know, in the, the States, it's not international, but at least we're going somewhere. It should be like nine summer. months old at that point. That'll be fun. Almost 10. So yeah, yeah that'll be yeah. fun. We're looking forward to that. But it, so, it's doable. You just have to, it's just a mind, yeah. it's a mindset. Yeah, exactly. So Melissa, last few questions as we wrap up Boss's okay. Best. I always ask all the business owners this, so I'd be curious to know okay. your answers. What would be the first piece of advice you would give someone who's looking to start their own business? Just business. do it. Just do it. Yeah. Just take a deep breath and do it and be okay with the challenges and the struggles because they're learning experiences yeah. and, and put yourself out there because, and it's hard and I get super nervous about it and wonder if anybody's going to come into the store or anyone's yeah. going to look on my Instagram or anyone's going to click on my website. Yeah. But if you don't try, you'll never know exactly what 100%. what would happen. And 100%. if you have a great idea, someone else might have that have a similar idea. And you know, if you again, like if you don't try it, yep. someone else might. Yep, I, I agree. Like I, the lot since COVID hit, like my motto for the last two years was like, if it scares you and excites you at the same time, you a should great motto. Ahead. Yeah, Go I think that's a great it, motto. Right? Like, mm-hmm. It's uh, okay to get those butterflies turning. Exactly. Like, yeah. And if it's exciting, it's probably going to be a little scary because it's new, right? Like yeah. Yeah. go for it. So go for it. Enjoy it. it. Have fun with it. Love it. Yeah. So, um, and I also think on the flip side, like if it's, if you can, if you have the ability, if it's not having, if you're not enjoying it, right. And it makes you miserable and you don't need it, that particular thing financially, and you can try to find something else to do, yeah. find, you know, support yourself or whatever. Stop. Scrap it. Right. Scrap it. Yep. It's not unless there's some, you know, if it's really, truly that horrible, don't, don't do it. Don't make yep. yourself miserable over it. Totally as long as you have that flexibility. Yeah. Right. So if you could tell your 18 year old self one thing, what would you tell her? I would tell her that I did it. I always wanted to do have a little retail business nice. and I would tell her that I did it. I know 30 That's years awesome. later. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Wow. I've, I've really always wanted to have a store, a home accessory store. And my grandfather always used to tell me that it was a waste of time. Really? I've never. But never, not like just, he just thought like right out of college, it's not what, you know, don't do that right out of college. Like yeah, do yeah. something, you know, not waste of time, but like you won't be successful with that right out of college. You yeah. need to have experience, yeah. other world experience. Yeah. Well, so you did. I think he thought I was just going to go fold shirts at the gap and, and then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you <laughs> did. Right? That's, what, that's what matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so Melissa, last, last question that I ask every guest is everyone has a varying depiction of what success looks like to them, right? So how do you define success? For me personally, I think it's 
finding joy in what I do and not losing money while I do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Keep going right there. I mean, sure. I'd love to be able to so successful that I'm supporting my family and, you know, taking, taking care of everybody and do it. But at this point in my, and that I would like to do that, right. I, that's a lofty goal. But yeah, yeah. at this point in my life, if I'm not losing money while doing what makes me happy, then I think I'm succeeding Yeah, because I'm getting, I'm contributing in that way, in a way that makes me happy. Right. If I, you know, happy, you know, happy kids, happy mom, but happy mom, happy kids too. I think, you know, yeah. it's, it's good for your friendships and your relationships and your, you know, to it just, if it makes you happy, then it or makes me happy. Then I feel like I'm successful. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I love it. I think it's a great answer. Melissa, thank you very much for coming on boss's best to chat about. Oh, two I really appreciate the time. Take you care. As well. All okay. right, have a great day. Hey everyone, I just wanted to say thank you for checking out my podcast. I really do appreciate the love I've received for this show. I believe now more than ever, any exposure to local businesses is great for them to receive and I'm trying to do my part. If you are a local business owner or someone you know in the Boston area that would like to be featured on the podcast, please email me at bostonsbestpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please follow this podcast. It's available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Instagram with the handle at Boston's Best underscore podcast, as well as Facebook at facebook.com backslash Boston's Best podcast. Again, I truly appreciate the great feedback for this show and stay tuned for each new episode every Friday at 8 a.m. Take care.